So we're a state-based think tank. We've been around for 40 years now, and uh, we really focus mostly on energy and environment issues. Mm -hmm. We also do healthcare. We do education. uh, We do budget and taxes. Um, And one of the things that we've been doing since 2020 is trying to make sure that uh, state legislatures are showing up uh, their, you know, their uh, elections. So it's it's not like an issue that we've been doing for for years and years and years, but it's something that you know we feel is very important, especially because we only have a couple months until twenty twenty four election, and these states need to make sure they do what needs to be done. I mean, this is the issue of the day. Okay, so let me ask you let me ask you a philosophical question: Does it matter if there was fraud, in so much as whether people think a significant portion of the population think there's fraud. Does that question make sense? Yeah. And I do think that that matters a lot because if a lot of, if a fair amount of people think that the 2020 election uh, was, you know, dishonest and they think that that's going to happen again in 2024, I think they're going to be less, uh, you know, willing to go to the, to go and vote because they, you know, just have already told themselves, you know, it's rigged. It's, 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 you know, it's going to be fraudulent anyways. So what's the point? So it might turn off, uh, you know, potential voters. I think the confusion is more damaging than the actual, I mean, if, if, if you can imagine this, then the actual fraud, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like where retail stores put up cameras that are fake cameras. They're not actually recording anything. But if people think they're being recorded, the behavior changes. The behavior changes here. If if an X amount of confusion and uncertainty and um, lack of confidence is introduced into the system and injected into the system, behavior changes. That's what's really damaging, I feel like. I, I agree. And also what I've been noticing the past uh, few weeks in particular is there's a debate going on where the uh, GOP is now saying, well, if the Democrats are going to cheat like they apparently did in 2020, well, then we need to out cheat them. And I reject that in, you know, in, in totality, because what we what what we're trying to do is get uh, the American people uh, back to the way it used to be before 2020, which is the vast majority of people would go and vote in person, preferably on Election Day, preferably very close to Election Day. But what we've noticed is that there's a new normal that that's been, you know, uh, infiltrated upon us. And now it's the the mainstream media and a lot of uh, NGOs and such want you to think that voting by mail is the way it's always been done. Early voting is the way it's always been done, but that's not the way it was it was done, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. In 1992, for instance, more than 90 percent of people voted in person on Election Day. Mm. In 2020, 70 percent of people voted by mail or voted early. So we mm. want to just make sure that that trend, you know, reverses itself to where we get the vast majority of people voting in par- in person as close to Election Day as possible. I think it's so important to cite facts like that because it provides the proper context for people to understand. I think back to um, who was it? I think it was Joe Biden's press secretary who said this is the way, you know, for Election Day to go on for weeks and weeks. And she said this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, It's 110 percent not the way it's supposed to be, is it? Absolutely. It should not be that way. Um, You know, in, in Europe. 
almost every single country has uh, you have to have an excuse to vote by mail. So they require you to vote in person in most countries in Europe and the OPEC for that matter. So most of all countries around the world, they know the outcome of their elections the night of the election. Yeah. In the United States, that used to be the way that it was. Obviously, there were some, you know, sometimes where it was really, really close. It might bleed into the morning. But I vividly remember in 2020, staying up until the wee hours of the morning, thinking it looks like it's going to be a lock. It looks like Donald Trump just got uh, reelected. And then in the days and even like the week that followed, it was, well, we just found these ballots. And then we didn't count these ballots. And then we mm. have to now count these ballots. And it's just I think that made a lot of people uh, you know, fearful that, whoa, we're, we're watching this happen before our very eyes in real time. And I think that we need to make sure that that does not happen again in 2024. That's, you know, that is the reason why we put this together. This was not to cry over the 2020 election and say, oh, geez, if, you know, we, we, we want to go and relitigate it. No, not at all. What we want to make sure is that that was a one-off election. And we want to make sure that in the future we get back to normal and we get people voting in person as close to election day as possible. I think that's a very, very smart point. So let's let's dive into it here. President Trump refers to this poll as the biggest story of the year, the most important poll released in the past 20 years. Tell us a little bit about the poll and what it found. Yeah, so this is where everything started. Uh, late last year, uh, we worked with Rasmussen Reports and we conducted a nationwide poll. We uh, surveyed 1,085 voters in the 2020 election. And then we started by asking them, did you vote? And if so, did you vote by mail or in person? So then we put those people into two buckets, the people who voted in person and then the people who voted by mail. Then we asked the people who voted by mail a series of follow-up questions, such as, did you vote for on behalf of someone else? Did you fill out someone's ballot um, you know, unknowingly on, on their behalf? Did you vote in a state where you're no longer a permanent resident? So mm -hmm. on and so forth. Mm. When we got those results back, we were we were astounded because mm. at least one in five said, yes, I I committed at least one type of illegal act in the 2020 election. So then we said, wow, 20 percent. That's, you know, a lot, lot higher than we expected and a lot higher than we have been you know led to believe. Right. But then we got the raw data back from Rasmussen and then we dug into all the cross tabs. And what we found was people committed. Uh, it, it wasn't exclusive. Some people committed multiple types of fraud in 2020 election. So when you take all of that together and you say, wow, 28% of people who voted by mail, this is Republican or Democrat. We didn't ask who you voted for yet. Mm. Admitted that they that they committed fraud by, you know, breaking the law in the state in which they live to vote illegally by mail. Mm. Um, so then that got us thinking like, wow, you know, this, this is, you know, this is a lot higher than we expected. That initial poll got a pretty, you know, sizable amount of media coverage. But then after that, what we've been doing the past few months is we said, well, now we want to go and look at the data provided by that, by each of the six swing states about who voted, uh, by mail there. We mm. then took, took those numbers and remember, we did we did know in the poll whether they voted for Biden or Trump. Mm. And then we said, well, now we're just going to subtract their mail in vote totals under a variety of scenarios. The 28 percent fraud across the board scenario, all the way down to four, five, three, two, one percent fraud. Right. 
in almost every single one of those scenarios, Donald Trump would have won the Electoral College. And why it's, you know, why I think it, it matters so much is because in those six swing states, those crucial uh, six swing states, Joe Biden won each of them by less than 20,000 votes apiece. So if you if you say, wow, like in Arizona, for example, 90 plus percent of the people voted by mail. OK, but but the amount of ballots that were rejected that were sent in by mail in the entire 2020 election was 0.79 percent, less than one percent. Historically, that number has been much higher. We're talking five, six, seven or eight percent. Mm. And even in 2020, the Democrat primaries in New York, Pennsylvania and some of those early states, the rejection rate among mail in ballots was upwards of 20 percent. So how are you telling me that in the 2020 election, when we had 65 million people vote by mail, the highest ever, for all, you know, double the amount of uh, uh, previous uh, mail-in voters, that less than 1% of those were rejected? It just does not make sense. It does not pass the smell test. They And they intentionally did away with a lot of the mechanisms and guardrails, like signature verification making sure that the voter rolls were, were you know cleaned up prior to this. All the things that could have been done to make sure that this didn't happen were intentionally not done. And I also think it's very important to remind our, our listeners and viewers that the 2020 election was done under the guise of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. State legislatures, according to the Constitution, are the only are the only bodies, the only entities that can change how elections are held in the state. But what happened was secretaries of state and governors said it's an emergency, state of emergency. Therefore, we are going to go over and above the state legislature. And we're just going to allow all this stuff like mass mailing of ballots to everyone in the voter roll, like all that kind of stuff. So they used the pandemic to try to make it much easier to flood the nation with tens and tens and tens of millions of mail-in ballots. And for many people, they no longer live at that address. Or, you know, the the, the ballot was sent to a family member. And, and, and we'll never know. We'll never know what if someone just said, oh, well, here's a ballot. I'm going to fill it in, throw it in the mailbox, throw it in the ballot drop box, and that's it. We it, It's so difficult after the fact to prove that that happened. But what we're trying to do is say, okay, well, let's just take proactive measures to to prevent that from being possible in the first place going forward. Correct. You're actually you're absolutely right. After the fact, it's almost it's almost too late after the fact to go back and try and change, um, or at least correct. Because I I hate when when the phrase that's used is <clears throat> folks are trying to overturn an election. No, we're not trying to overturn anything, people in the election integrity space. We're trying to correct a wrong that was made. That that was not that's not the same thing as overturning an election. But you hit on something very important. You said that that these rules were changed in states all over the country without the consent of the people. We tend to forget that, but that's an important I mean, that's the fundamental, that's the original sin, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And in the lead up to 2020, a lot of these cases went to the state Supreme Court or to the the Supreme Court. Right. But for whatever reason, they 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 were reluctant to weigh in on this issue. 
Now, maybe because of the pandemic and the emergency declarations and all that kind of stuff, maybe, you know, we have to remember that in 2020 election, you know, November of 2020, we didn't have our vaccine yet, even though it's really not a vaccine, but that's another whole nother topic. But so so there was still a lot of fear. We'll get to that in the next episode. Yeah. So there were there there was still there was still uh you know fear among among people, whether that was, you know, wrong or right, mm. to say, well, I'm maybe it's not the best idea for me to go and vote in person on election day. And they use that. They use that against, you know, people mm. to flood the zone with mail in ballots, knowing that there was no chain of custody, knowing that they were, you know, gonna be uh prone to ballot harvesting, knowing that they were, you know, pepper in the nation with uh unattended uh drop boxes right and all this stuff just created an environment in which it was much easier to cast illegal uh, ballots so we're not mm-hmm. saying that this was some grand conspiracy you know that was in you know uh, that, that was a high level conspiracy by any means we're saying that all it took was a couple of thousand votes here or there in a couple of precincts in a couple of swing states to change the election it doesn't matter that Joe Biden won by 10 million votes. It doesn't matter if he won the Electoral College, you know, by by 50, 60 votes. All that matters is those six key swing states. And our data show that those six uh, key swing states probably were uh, in, in, in uh, Joe Biden's Electoral College uh, map when they should not have been. Well, I mean, you, that leads me to another point. When I was reading this analysis that you guys put out, it drove the point home for me that you have to pay attention to language, language that folks on the other side use, because this is how they control action. And this is how they keep people from looking any further. You hear the 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 line that there was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election. But your analysis points out that there doesn't, and this was this is a point made by other folks. I'm not original in saying this, but there doesn't need to be widespread fraud. There only needs to be a, a handful of states, indeed, a handful of counties in the United in in the entire country, changes the outcome of an election. That's something that I think that I didn't understand at first, and that's something that I think when the media narrative. After 2020, first, you know, th- was was brought to uh, to you know Americans' attention. It was they're claiming that this was Dominion voting machines that were hacked and like all this crazy stuff. Okay, we're not saying any of that. All we're saying is mm-hmm. the 2020 election was unlike any other election in American history because we had states just mail tens of millions of ballots to people who no longer live there, people who are deceased, and we will never know what happened to those ballots so mm. it's it, it it's it's so difficult to prove and that's why voter fraud is so difficult to prove because you know there's it, it it's not as cut and dry it's not as black and white as they want it to be all it takes is someone you know uh you know voting on behalf of a family member who lives somewhere else it's you know how are you ever going to prove that right well, one one of the the findings in your analysis is that 21 percent of mail-in voters admitted they filled out a ballot for a friend or family member. Now, let's play devil's advocate for a moment. Did they fill it out because that family member, you know, has a little bit of trouble? Maybe the English is not their first language, whatever it may be. Or are we saying that these folks filled out the ballot according to their own wishes as opposed to their family member's wishes? Okay, that's a very important question. And for the 
for, for the purpose of our uh, study and the purpose of our poll, it doesn't matter. You cannot fill mm-hmm. out a ballot on behalf of someone else, period, mm-hmm. end of mm-hmm. sentence. Of course, there are extenuating circumstances. Someone's blind. Someone has, you know, mentally incapacitated. But no, if 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 I, you know, uh, live somewhere, and I've got a couple of kids who are above eighteen, and you know, a wife who's, you know, on 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 the voter roll, and I just take their ballots and vote for them. That is completely illegal. You cannot do that. So that's what we're trying to, you know, really you know, get to the bottom of, because of course there were special circumstances where someone needs a little bit of assistance here and there. That's fine. But that is not what we're talking about. That's a very important distinction. A huge deal, something that was really eye-opening for me. 8% of people, of respondents who say that a friend, family member, or organization such as a political party offered to pay them for voting. What? Yeah. Yeah, no, isn't that just isn't that just shocking? And then so so that is outright fraud. Now that's fraud. Oh, of course it is. Okay, so let's say almost one in ten voters admitted that they were bribed for their vote. Right. So what's okay. the real number? Exactly. Ex- ex- that's exactly what we were thinking. You know, and that that leads me to another thing. So we waited a couple of years to do this poll on purpose because we thought, okay, if we wait a couple of years, people will probably be a little more honest about their responses. And had we done it, you know, a couple months right after the 2020 election, when there was still a lot of, you know, controversy, you know, uh, around it and the dust hadn't settled yet, I bet those numbers would have been lower because I bet people would have said, well, I'm not so sure I want to admit to that yet. But three years after the fact, what do they have to gain? Why would they lie about this? So mm. if anything, we think it's probably a little bit higher. We do think it's probably more in that 35, 40% range. But the fact that 28% of people admitted that they voted illegally in 2020 is still something that I just have trouble wrapping my mind around. You know, that was one of my questions. Why you guys went, uh, put this together right now? Is that what was behind it? That was one of our motivations. Yeah, because if, in you know, in the in the, you know, years and months, you know, immediately after the election, there was just there was so much, you know, bad press about this. There was so much. Oh, this is, you know, a conspiracy theory, you know, all this stuff. So we wanted to kind of just like let the dust settle and then, you know, wait until even after the midterms to say, okay, now let's go back and look at the results. And I also think that that's very important because we did have some states do some, uh, you know, some reforms to their election laws in between that period. And as mm-hmm. we point out in the paper, one of the talking points against some of the uh, the policy reforms that we are uh, encouraging was that's Jim Crow. That's voter suppression. You don't want to you don't want to let black people vote. Right. That is completely unequivocally nonsense because in Florida and Georgia, which instituted many of the reforms that, that we are encouraging every single state to do in 2022, in the midterms, they had a higher turnout among, among uh, minorities than 2020. Mm. So it's just complete and utter nonsense for them to say anything like uh, showing a voter ID, you know, or uh, a photo ID to vote in person or having an excuse to vote by mail or, or, or you know, outlaw ba- uh, ballot harvesting or any of that kind of stuff. They cry racism, but the proof is in the pudding. The states that did it after the fact had a higher uh, turnout among the very people that they're saying that these laws were designed to prevent from voting. So it's just it's it, it, it's so nonsensical. 
No, it absolutely is. And they they use voter intimidation as a cudgel, I think. And I'm still trying to figure out how you can intimidate a dead voter. Oh, I know. It's such a great point. Maybe or, 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 or Jim, you know, Joe Biden calling uh, the Georgia, you know, election reform law, Jim Eagle. And, and you know, remember how the, the you know, MLB baseball pulled out of, uh, you know, the All-Star game out of Atlanta? You know, right. what's really sad is that that, you know, those have consequences for the businesses in Atlanta that missed out right. on all that, you know, revenue from that. Right. And it was purely political. It was just a purely political act. And they're, tr- they're you know, they're still playing that card. And that's why I think I, I we have to come out and be, you know, uh, vocally you know, supportive of, wait a second, this has nothing to do with voter suppression. We want to make sure that every single person's vote is counted to actually, you know, who actually has the right to vote because every single uh, mail-in vote that was fraudulently cast that disenfranchises one real voter. I love the fact that you guys point, you you make this point as well. Had the 2020 election been conducted like every other national election, in our history, Donald Trump would almost have certainly been reelected. That's that's all you know. That, that's 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 all you got to say about it. You know, right, right there, and that's why um, I think that you know it's so important that you know we do everything we can. And this is not just for people who work at a think tank. This is for you know Joe Sixpack or who anybody. Make sure that your state is not sending mail-in ballots to everyone on their voter rolls because a lot of states are gearing up to do that again under the un, un, under the the cover of it's easy we want to make it easy to vote yeah but that also makes it very easy to cheat right right exactly so uh, th- that got me thinking as well because this was brought in under the guys of we're under an emergency situation and it's a national emergency and people have to stay home for their own safety and the safety of others. COVID is over. And we can make the case that it never should have uh, happened the way it happened, the lockdowns and such in the first place. Um, But right now in early 2024, we are not living under those circumstances anymore. How are they justifying it this year, as you mentioned? Well, because they're they're trying to uh, frame this as we want to make voting easy. Mm. Okay, we want to make voting uh, as easy as possible. Okay, that's fine, but we also want to make sure that people are making informed decisions on who they're voting for, and we want to also make sure that they are doing it close to election day. Because mm. you know, in in my experience, just following elections in my you know adulthood here, mm. there have been some pretty big surprises, you know, October surprises that that have Correct. swayed votes, you know, you know, at, at, at the very end of the uh, campaign cycle. Right. So in 2020, for example, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop story, you know, broke, you know, about a week before um, voting took place. Right. After 2020 election, we now know that a significant number of people who voted for Joe Biden said, had they known about the laptop, they would have changed their vote. So that's just yet another reason. We want to make we want to make sure that people have all the information they need to make an informed decision. Sometimes that means waiting until the day of, you know, election day, because we know the way that the uh, debates are scheduled, everything's kind of crammed into those those last few weeks. And you can see a lot of uh, voters changing their minds in those last few weeks. So that's just yet another reason why we want to make people, 
not make people, but encourage people to vote in person on election day. That is an important point. And by the way, for people out there who think this is this was an exercise in partisanship, this kind of struck me. You guys found that Trump voters' self-admitted fraud rate was 35%. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. Now, so here's the thing on that. They admitted to cheating at a at a greater rate? Yes, according to, according to the raw data supplied by Rasmussen. However, you were talking about a crosstab within a crosstab, so the sample size there is very, very low. Mm. But here's 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 because some people have like have taken that that line and just run with it. But here's why that really doesn't hold water. Mm. Joe Biden received double the amount of mail-in votes that Donald Trump did in the 2020 election. So even if, because because we included this in the analysis, okay, so fine, even if, fine. Even if it was a greater rate, the real even number if even if Donald Trump's voters said, fine, you know, we we committed voter fraud at a higher rate than than uh, Biden voters, it doesn't matter because Joe Biden's total mail-in votes tr- were 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 double the size of Trump's uh, mail-in ba- uh, mail-in uh, ballots. So even 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 that doesn't, you know, doesn't let Biden off the hook. And you know what? To be honest, and this is me just completely opining here. Mm. In my experience, I just do not believe that because in my experience, I was surprised uh, to read that as well. I'm sorry, but in my experience, you know, Republican voters tend to vote in person on Election Day and, you know, they tend to vote early. It's the Biden voters or not the Biden voters, but Democrat voters in the in the past few election cycles who are the ones who are uh, voting much more by mail and much more uh, in that in that early voting period. So, I mean, yeah, I'll take that. Even if you take that number for what it is, it still doesn't matter because the arithmetic still shows that uh, Joe Biden received such a substantial number of mail in votes. Well, um, and I think it, is, it says a lot about your organization that you went ahead and, and published that. It tells me that um, you guys are calling balls and strikes. So that's something to be commended. So let's talk about mail-in voting. You guys want to ban all mail-in voting and you want to make sure that nobody has any access to ballots, uh, to, uh, to, to voting precincts, and you want to make it as hard as possible for people to vote. Is that accurate? Uh, could not be any more inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just where to even begin. Right. Um, you, you know, the 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 2020 election, um, the 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 uh, the amount of uh, you know mail in ballots that were just you know sent all over this country that can't happen again. Mm. All we want to do is make sure that people are who they say they are. Yeah. And then when they vote, they present some ID to make sure that they are who they say that they are. Um, we, 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 in, in, in my, in my opinion, every single person would vote, but that's just not the case, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in the United States, we have made it so easy for people to vote, whether it's early voting or the mail-in voting stuff that we've just kind of like lost, you know, lost our way in a sense, and, you know, what what we want to get back to is a time in which people go make their, you know, make their decision on Election Day. And then later that evening, we have a pretty good idea of what the outcome is. And mail-in uh, voting uh, clouds that because it takes days for them to sort and then count and do all that. And I think that the when you have days after an election where people are just like, we don't know who won, that makes people less confident 
in the uh, honesty of the election. And that's a very dangerous road to go down. We do not want half of the U.S. citizenry thinking, gee, that election just does not seem like it was on the up and up to me. We do not want that to, to you know, occur again. It's I don't damaging. think we can survive something like that, actually. It's, it's damaging to the to the nation, to the body politic. It so is. It so is. And, you know, I mean, th- that's where if you, you know, you, if you want to get cynical, you think, well, maybe this is part of the part of the 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 the, the, the overall approach of, you know, uh, just taking a wrecking ball to our institutions. Whether I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Chris, as the days and the weeks and the months go by, I'm really starting to believe that is the ultimate goal in the days and the weeks right after Election Day on 2020. I said, oh, they want to install Biden because they want the open borders and they want this and they want that. Um, But after covering this for two or three years now, I'm really starting to wonder if the damage to the institution of voting isn't the ultimate goal. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously they're happy with the open borders and all that stuff. Um, But I think this is the ultimate goal. And I think this is what makes the situation all the more dangerous. Yeah, so that's why I think this is this is not a one-off issue. This is part of a much larger march through the uh, institutions that right. the left has been, you know, embarking upon yeah. for decades. Uh, you know, they've they've taken hold of, uh, you know, our our um, colleges and universities. I'm a former uh, public high school teacher, and they've even you know started to infiltrate, you know, K through twelve schools. But you know, they've also you know got uh, you know uh, uh, they have had. Uh, control of the media of you know so many of these institutions uh you know even 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 our court systems i think people are starting not to not truly trust when they see what's going on in new york and georgia with the you know sham case down there mm-hmm. so then they say geez now if our elections are also under siege like what else what what other like wh- what other reason you know like do we have to you know to, to trust anything anymore right you know and i think that th- that that is a really really you know sick and twisted way of them just trying to say you know what we want to remake the country whether it's through mass you know Im- immigration or or you know just you know dei and the crt in the schools and cultural marxism just all this stuff well if they control the elections then nothing else matters agreed this is this is the issue whatever your issue is your issue first and foremost is election integrity because, um, you know, free and fair and honest elections pave the way for whatever other cause you're, you're fighting for. Um, let's talk about action steps because you guys make some very real, um, and very reasonable suggestions on how to secure our elections. Yeah. So number one, we uh, want to make sure that people who vote by mail have a reason to vote by mail. Mm. So obviously there are excuses. Obviously there are exceptions. Someone's, you know, uh, disabled. Someone's serving in the overseas in the military. Of mm. course you should be able to vote by mail. Right. But there should be a reason. Okay. It should not just be, you know, because, you know, because you're just too lazy to go to the voting booth or whatever. Right. But we, we, we start there. We want to encourage states to encourage their citizens to get up, vote in person, once again, as close to election day as possible. That's that that's one aspect of it. But then there's the other the aspect that, okay, mail in bail mail in voting is here. So how can we at least try to 
avert another major, you know, fraudulent situation? Well, one of the things we can do is outlaw ballot harvesting. Mm. We can outlaw these unattended and unsecured ballot drop boxes where we have video from 2020 where ballot stuffers go there with a big wad of uh, votes and just stuff them in there. That shouldn't be the case. Only one state requires that the person who 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 voted is the one who has to actually drop the ballot off in the mail, which is just I mean, that's like in, in, in crazy to me. So what if you give it to someone and and obviously I know that, you know, this is anecdotal and this is, you know, if someone's going to be that irresponsible, then so be it to go drop off your ballot and they just throw it in the garbage. It's like there, there, there's so many ways for that, you know, to, to, to occur when it's an unsecured mail-in uh, ballot. Right. Um, so that, you know, that that's another uh, reason why we want to encourage in-person voting. And then the other thing, and this is very important, voter registration rolls. Yeah. When you move to a different state or even to a different county within a state, you are not automatically dropped from the voter roll. Mm. So I moved from South Carolina back to Illinois. I never went to to the South Carolina Board of Elections and said, make sure you remove my name from your list. I'm no longer. <laughs> so whoever happened to live in, in the residence that I no longer lived at in 2020, for all I know, they got a ballot with my name on it. And I don't know what happened to that. And right. in the apartment complex that I live in, the Chagoland area, in 2020, there were ballots. There were ballots because Illinois did the mass mailing of all ballots, not even the absentee ballot requests, just mass mailing in our mailroom. Because I live in a you know fairly large apartment complex, there were ballots just sitting around mm. because obviously, like you know, whoever lived there previously, they just you know got the ballot and. We just don't know what happens. So so that's just another reason why we want to make sure that states clean up their voter rolls. Do it annually. Make sure that deceased people are obviously off your voter roll because there is a bad, bad, you know, tendency for deceased people to remain on those voter rolls. Tens of tens of thousands, you know, in, in states. Right. So these are just common sense, uh, you know, guardrails that we want to make sure that states reapply um, before 2024 to make sure that this does not devolve into a repeat of 2020. Well, I like the fact that you guys suggest that notaries should sign off on signatures for mail-in ballots. And I did not know that there are three states that currently require that Mississippi, Missouri, and Oklahoma. I did not know that. Well, it, so the, the notary thing was something that we did add in. We, um, you know, we, we would love if the required a uh, witness signature, but, if there's just no signature verification whatsoever and no notary, well, then that's once again, just wide open to fraud and abuse with the notary, you know, and they're widely available. Okay. The banks, right. I mean, they're all over the place. Right. I think that that, that should, you know, be a, a requirement, but at least have a witness signature. Right. At least have a witness signature. I, I mean, I, th I think this is great, great work that you guys, um, put out and and I'm sure you're all very very proud of it and um I hope that people take the time to read it and understand it because you guys point out some very very serious issues and you make some very as I said reasonable action steps leading us into 2024 to make our um elections a little bit more secure again it's about making it's about making voting easy but it's about making secure voting easy not just voting in general. I think that's an important distinction that you guys make. Well, and just one other one other quick point. 
Voting is a privilege. Yes. And we need to remember that. Everyone has a right to vote. Of course they do. But that doesn't mean that we should abuse that right and just, you know, make it make it so that it's so easy to cheat. And that's what that's what happened in 2020. And we just need to make sure that that doesn't happen again, because for every single fraudulent vote that's cast, you are taking someone's rightful vote away. And that is a shame. And that we can't let that happen again. That's an important point. Um, Before we let you go, Chris, tell the folks where they can find you guys, where they can read this report. We'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes, but um, let the folks know where they can track you guys down. Yeah, so all of our work is at heartland.org, heartland.org. And, uh, you know, once again, we do a lot of different stuff. Election integrity is one of them, but do a lot of stuff on education reform, budget and taxes, energy and environment, healthcare. Lots of big tech censorship also. So, yeah, we're really, you know, trying to make a difference. And Libertarian Think Tank, been around for 40 years and hopefully, you know, be around for another 40 years. Hopefully. And um, thank you very much for taking the time. Please come back and keep us updated on, um, on all your great work. Would love to. Thank you so much.